ordinary people lead ordinary lives. They do ordinary things and die ordinary deaths. Uneventful, unaltered, and unchanged. Meanwhile, nobody wants to follow ordinary. Yet there's a conflict because within the heart is a tendency of wanting to blend in, but an identity waiting to bust out. On this episode of Keep It 100, we hit the table to talk about the battleground of identity and hear from international evangelist Todd White. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome, everybody, to Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. Come on, we are anticipating an awesome time with you today. So glad you decided to tune in, and we've got some great things in store for you. You know, I was just thinking about this, that there is a unique intensity in the times that we're living in right now. It is so true. I've never been in a time of history like we're in right now. I've lived through multiple presidential elections, but nothing like this. Agreed. Agreed. This recent poll experience and election has been one hot mess, if I'm to be honest. (laughs) Someone had a meme that American Idol can count 130 million votes during the commercial break, and there's no excuse for this. You know, that is hilarious and actually true. It is amazing how long this is taking. What has made this election so unique is that we've had counts and recounts, accusation of voter fraud, an insistence that people would be there and witness people count We've had premature declarations. We've had lawsuits that have covered the news and political websites. And there's even this incredible place where I saw this article that hospitals have even increased their capacity for what's called election stress treatment. Wait, what? Yes, that people are so stressed out by it not being decided who their leader is that hospitals, they have an increased capacity for what is called election stress treatment treatment. Oh my goodness. You know, that is sad, but it shows you the current state of where we're really at in our nation. You know, what's interesting is Time Magazine has an article that's coming out November 16th this year about the current elections. And it said, but this is 2020, the year of the plague, the year of the unexpected. Of course, it'd not be that easy. Both sides were hoping for a knockout blow, a landslide that would forever settle the question of which version of America prevails. Instead, our identity crisis continues. And really, don't you agree, Sean, that is really what is happening. We are in a national identity crisis. I'm going to take it one step further and say the church is in an identity crisis. And really, I think maybe for more people than we think, the real pandemic is an identity crisis because we really don't know who we are in these times. That is so accurate. There is this, and it's funny, all these commercials that are on identity theft, and it seems like in the midst of this, somebody's trying to hijack and steal our identity as a nation and even as the people of God. Let's take a moment right now, define what identity is. Here's a definition of identity. It is the sum of everything that shapes us, that frames our actions and communicates to others who we are. So think about it. When you talk about identity, it's what shapes you. So those thoughts that you hold in your mind about yourself, it shapes you. You're being transformed into the very thoughts you hold. It frames your actions. Your actions are going to come out of how you see yourself, and it's going to communicate to others who you are. Right now, we want to give you three components that will help you grasp the concept of identity. Number one, your identity is your worldview. 
And what we mean by worldview is that it shapes all your choices. Your identity is so important that you're going to actually make decisions based on your identity, how you see yourself, and how you see yourself ultimately becomes the lens in which you see the world around you. But here's the challenge. The challenge is to see yourself as God sees you, not see yourself the way Madison Avenue sees you, not see yourself the way social media sees you, not see yourself the way this group or that group sees you. You have to see yourself as God sees you because when you see yourself as God sees you, then you see the world as God sees the world. And when that happens, here is the benefit, Keeper 100 Tribe. It helps you not overreact on every little matter that arises. That's right. Identity could be the cure to the stress that many people are feeling right now because our identity ultimately tells us where we belong. We belong to the people of God. Before we belong to any group, any other affiliation, we belong to the people of God and identity answers this question once and for all. You know, another component to help you grasp the concept of identity is your identity is what you look to define you. So really, what is the source of your identity? That is the big question we're all facing and asking. It's the one that has to be answered. Some people are looking to materialism, relationships, money, education, the job they have, the car they drive, where they live, who they're connected with, who they're not connected with. And too many of us are forming our identity around moving parts, meaning things that aren't stable, things that aren't secure, things that are not rooted and grounded in the Lord. People's identity is often summed up with, I am what I do, what I desire, and what I have. And when what we do defines us, the problem with that is it can be switched off and on. So it's not stable. If we find our identity in things that are out of our hands and things that are fleeting and changing constantly, therefore our worth, our value, our purpose, and how we see ourselves will change consistently because it's not in a stable anchor, which is the Lord. I love that. You know, last component to help you grasp the concept of identity is your identity is ultimately the deciding factor of your destiny. Here's truth. Your spiritual DNA allows you to manifest God and dominion of the earth. If you know who you are, then you know the authority that you've been given to live with. I know certain ministers will have their congregants hold up the Bible and says, Uh, This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I could do what it says I could do and claim the promises that it says that I have. And that is actually an illustration of your point that it becomes the deciding factor of your destiny. So good. Keep it 100 tribe. We've got a big surprise for you right now. I first met this mighty man of God probably about a dozen years ago. We were both being interviewed and on a CBN segment. That's Pat Robertson's network. And I had written a book, Prophetic Evangelism. And this great mighty man of God, after I talked about it, they went to this video and they showed this evangelist that had dreads. He was out on the street by the name of Todd White. And I saw him out there and he's getting words of knowledge. He was weeping with people that had chemical dependencies, people that others had given up on their disenfranchised. He was leading them to the Lord, praying for the sick. And I could immediately tell something was different about him. And I love this guy immediately. We've been friends ever since. Join me now for this green room conversation with Todd White. Hey, Keep Your 100 Tribe. I have Todd White, who is the founder and president of Lifestyle Christianity. Uh, They have a university. They have a church now. This precious brother and his wife, Jackie, Chris and I have sat and broke bread at their house 
I've been able to jump in with him on some power and love schools. I've been blessed that he has uh, brought me along. I've been to Perth, Australia with him, Curitiba, Brazil, a whole bunch of places. And he has been featured in Father of Lights videos and, and God uses him mightily. And so I just want to welcome right now, Tug White. What's up, bro? Hey, good morning. It's so good to be with you, man. I love you with all of my heart, man. Likewise. Hey, man, we're just going to jive right in this, man. You have to share with us, Todd, what has God been doing with you in this time of international global pause, quarantine? What has God been saying to you? Wow, <laughs> so much. I've been going through the most amazing pruning in my whole life where God has just been scraping the inside of my heart from any kind of debris that doesn't belong there, from any kind of busyness that doesn't belong there. Actually, it was so crazy. You know, when, when this whole COVID thing started and God just started this pruning, he started to go deep on me, deeper than ever before. And uh, I had an amazing relationship with the Lord. I was disciplined and I was militant about making sure that I would come away with him and then I would be with him. And then I would go into the secret place and I would seek him in the secret. There was never a question of whether I was going to go in. And it was about prayer. It was about reading. It was about fellowshipping and hearing his voice because faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And I've been really blessed and really thankful over my life of 16 years of Christianity to dive in deep with him. But this season that looked like catastrophe and looked like the biggest storm that we've ever gotten hit by, people have called it this and called it that and said, God did this and God did that. And I would like to say that no matter what comes your way, God can make lemonade out of any lemons that come your way. But it's not God that gives those lemons to begin with. Because all things that come to steal, kill, and destroy come from the devil's hand. They do not come from the Father. Say that. Say that. So knowing that and prioritizing that, that God's not in control of the storm, making it come your way, choosing to kill this one, make this one sick. He's not choosing that. He actually wants us to press in. So this has been an amazing season for me of pruning of being strengthened in my inner man to know his love that abounds far higher, further, wider, deeper than anything before. And my whole life has just turned completely inside out with extravagant love. And I've stepped into a place of adoration like I've never known before. I've stepped into a place of a manifest presence of the Lord, where I found that over all these years, I would make sure that I made time to be with him. But because I had so many things to do and so many things to keep straight and had family, had ministry, had all these things and I had the school here, I just want to make sure that everything's done with diligence. But by that, what happened is that I feel as if I was committing spiritual adultery on the Lord through the active art of busyness. And so busyness had become this adulterous affair that I had no idea was even happening. I had no I had no clue. It was just the way that things were going because I wasn't going to let anything drop. And so what happened out of that is the equation equaled me squatting at the feet of Jesus instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I entered into this place of sitting at his feet and drinking from the cup in his hands. And being able to truly adore and to truly fall in love all over again with this great king of glory that chose me, that I didn't choose him. He chose me. 
And he, he chose to come and make himself known to me. You know, the Bible talks about knowing God. It doesn't talk about knowing about God. It talks about knowing him. Jesus says in John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one whom you have sent. It's in the Lord's prayer, not our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the Lord's model that he modeled that and said, this is the model prayer, but the Lord's prayer is John 17. And he talked about knowing the father. Now I would have told you before this, that I knew him and I did, but there's more. It's so important that we understand there's more. So during this time, and as a matter of fact, it's been nine months and that nine months has been labor. That nine months of labor has allowed me to now give birth to intimacy in a way that I've never known before. And I have been stepping into this place of newfound love and just this first love that is more extravagant than anything I've ever seen before, I've ever known before, to where his presence that has come through visitations before has now set up and become a constant habitation in my life. So I've moved in a place. He's moved me because it's all by grace through faith. He's moved yeah, me man. from a place of visitation to where he would visit me to where. And, and I know because in, in the Bible, it says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So God says, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he won't. So he's there no matter what. But righteousness isn't just a position. Righteousness is a lifestyle. And that lifestyle leads to greater intimacy. That lifestyle leads to a greater perception of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. The reality of being in love with Jesus dispels everything else from trying to come my way and to come across my screen. God sits in the theater room of my soul and judges everything and sees everything that goes across my screen. And so this season has been this amazing pruning and cleansing process. It wasn't like there was sin and twisted stuff. I never got into like pornography or or just life. I didn't get into that. I just was in busyness of ministry trying to make sure that nothing fell through. And God said, pause, sit back, breathe. And I've been wow. in a place of rest like I've never known before. So the priority wow. of laying my head on a pillow, which is the Lord's chest when I go to sleep at night, turning my affection to adoration and adoring him as I drift off to sleep on God's heart, which is my pillow. He ministers to me all night long. My heart is wide awake as I sleep. And when I wake in the morning, I awake with the warm embrace of his love for me, the reality of his goodness meeting me and his mercies are brand new. When I go into my prayer room, which is not out of diligence, but it's out of a hopeful expectation that love is going to meet me there. And when I step in there, I encounter him like I've never encountered him before. I left a whole night of encounter to enter into my morning of a continued encounter. It's amplified because my mind has been asleep at night and my heart has been wide awake. Now, when my mind comes awake in the morning, it is trumped by a heart that is continually within his presence. And he meets me there. And I sit there for hours in a place of adoration and love when his manifest presence comes and blankets me and enables me to sit in this place of union and communion that I've never known before. It is Man, the most God. outrageous place of victory. And God has created every believer. So only, actually every person on the earth can only be satisfied 
with union and communion. It's not about just knowing about God. It's about knowing him. And it's not just about knowing him. It's about being known by him. So when my knowing him and being known by him come together, all of a sudden the intensity of identity is strengthened inside of my heart and upon my life. And everywhere I go, I get to have his manifest presence flowing through me. Words of knowledge, the prophetic, healing, all the gifts that are in the Bible, all 1 Corinthians 12, all of them are totally activated when sonship is a priority and righteousness is the foundation. I do not even have to seek after that because God will flood me with that and all day long he will enable me to function in whatever gift is necessary because the giver of gifts, the father of lights has come and is within me and is now resting upon me in a complete union and communion of relationship that can't be infiltrated by sin any longer. It is beautiful, man. Man, I I literally, I could just run with you on that. I I just want to say to our listeners, this is exactly the word of the Lord in this season. I believe the Lord has allowed all these disconnections to happen so that we would strengthen the one vital connection we all must have. And there's so many messages that are floating around. You see so many people walking in fear. We're in a place where there is a, a worldwide identity crisis. And what you're sharing right now is literally the crux of it all. It's what was it? Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He looked up and I think in the King James, it says he saw no one save Jesus. Yes. In other words, he just saw Jesus and That's right. we got to get there. there was a, I love your message you carry on identity. If, let me ask you, Todd, what do you see as an obstacle to having a healthy identity in Christ? Yeah, yourself. Mm. The biggest obstacle is yourself. The biggest obstacle to identity is yourself, is being so focused on you that you can't focus on him, is being so focused on what you're going through that we can't see what he's went through. It's by being so focused on on the things that you need to do instead of the one thing that's necessary, and that's sitting at the feet of Jesus. We can become so occupied with self, and we, we can be occupied with self in the name of Jesus. And it's absolutely ridiculous, and we can't afford to go down that road. One of the things that probably has, gosh, it's hard for me to talk about it, probably has troubled my heart more than anything. And uh, some people have said, well, Todd's against certain ministries, or Todd's against this, or Todd's against that. No, what I am is I am for Jesus. I am for love. I am for people understanding the price that was paid for them that determines their value. And so many people have said, you know, they've come up short in worth. They've come up short in value. They've come up short in the reality of how they see themselves. And again, yourself is in the way again, because it's not about you. It's about him. I mean, God took all those things into consideration and much more when he chose to redeem you. And his thoughts for you were far outweigh any thoughts that you can think about yourself. If it says in Psalm 139 that his thoughts for me outnumber the grain of sand in all the world, that every grain represents a thought for my welfare, and he has more thoughts for each person that outnumber all the grains of sand. If I got a hold of some of those thoughts, my whole life would change. But instead, we're thinking about our faults, our failures, our shortcomings, the way that we were rejected coming up, the way that our mom didn't want us, our dad didn't want us, how we were treated, how people have said to us, even coming into the church, all of a sudden how leaders treated us and how I've been hurt by them. And all of a sudden that pain and that stuff so outweighs the reality of the truth of who Jesus is. And so Jesus, if we went through what Jesus went through, 
we would be complete basket cases. I mean, picture this. <laughs> Jesus knows everything. He comes here. He's never sinned. He's never, he's never been apart from the Father. So he's born into this world. He grows up in the same world that we do. He is tempted at all points, not at some yes. points. He's not just tempted at the points that Todd has been tempted at. He's tempted at the points that all humanity could ever be tempted at. He's Say tempted that, with everything. And so he goes through all that without sin. He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh, came here, and his flesh never sinned. So powerful. Like his heart for the Lord was everything because it wasn't just doing this for God. He was doing this because you were the joy set before him. So he pursued the cross at all costs, no matter what just to get there because he knew that once he got there was crucified died and was resurrected and went to sit at the right hand of the father you could be joyfully accepted and not strategically rejected that there's no possible way that anything could ever separate you from the love of god that's in christ jesus but when i look at romans 8 and it talks about the things that could separate me it seems like the list is so full that there's absolutely nothing but when i look at that scripture it says in verse 38 i am fully persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reality of God's love is what he wants us to encounter. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. I have to see what I've become, and I have to see what could separate me from becoming. This is so Uh. important. It says death, life, Angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. Your past isn't on this list because your past has the (laughs) utter ability to separate you from God's love. Me looking back at things that God no longer remembers is a crazy place to live. The devil knows that if he can get you focused on what you cannot go back and change, you will be in a place of guilt, shame, and condemnation for life. And if I'm focused on what I cannot change, it leaves me with a hopeless outcome. Therefore, hope deferred makes my heart sick, and my heart is completely sick. When I step into the reality of righteousness, my heart being sick is replaced by being lovesick. My heart being sick is one thing where I can never get past it. And the devil wants you to look in hindsight because you can never fix that. You can never go back. God knew that you can never go back. So he wiped out the transgressions against you, the handwriting against you, Colossians 2. It is wiped out. He completely made a public spectacle of the powers and principalities. There's nothing that they can do to change this. God forever has sealed this. And the cross, Calvary, is the greatest victory that we could ever know. We need to dive into the cross. We need to see what the blood of Jesus has done. Hebrews talks about the blood of Jesus cleansing our conscience from dead works. If the blood of Jesus doesn't do the active work on the conscience, then we still live with guilt, shame, condemnation, regret. Those things are wiped out completely through Calvary, Mm. and that no longer has a voice. Self-control is being so focused on his voice that every other voice loses its voice because I am in love with the one that's called me. I am beholding forever the Lamb of God. My gaze is restored, and I am now gazing at the Father, looks at me with pure love and no regret, guilt, shame, 
for condemnation upon that. Now I'm in Christ, a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And now I need to walk in the newness of life that he created me to be. The renewal of the mind is crucial, especially now. Man, COVID has caused people to go introspective, to look inside Mm -hmm. in the wrong way, has caused people to not use the weapons that we've been given to pull down every thought that tries to come against the knowledge of God. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God, mighty in pulling down every stronghold, taking every thought captive to the obedience of the mind of Christ. Every thought. So any thought that comes against the knowledge of God or the knowledge of who God created me to be gets pulled down by the truth that is the word of God. We've tried to rebuke the devil to command him to get behind us. And why would I command somebody that's beneath me to get behind me? We should not entertain the enemy's voice. Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice and as strangers, they will not follow. When you listen to it, you're following it. We need to heed the shepherd because he's not just the anchor. He's not just the anchor. He's not just a crutch. He actually is the shepherd, the overseer of my soul to whom Mm. I'm going to give an account when I stand before him. God loves us and he will never change his mind about us. A thousand years from now, God's not going to say, oh, you know, Todd, I made a mistake. I really shouldn't have let you in here. Absolutely opposite. The devil has been rejected. He's angry, depressed. He is completely hopeless and there'll never be victory for him. So he's trying to reproduce himself in the mindset of every Christian on the planet. Don't let the liar have his way with you. Make sure you walk in truth and make sure that you know who Jesus has called you to be. Live as a son, not as an orphan. God has adopted you and placed the spirit of adoption upon you. He will never, ever look away from you. His gaze is on you. He is for you. And greater is he that's in you than anything in this world. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm going to start calling you the spiritual oyster because you be dropping pearls, bro. I love you. Oh, my Jesus, goodness. Buddy. Every Keep your 100 tribe. Let me tell you, every single thing he said is absolutely 100% about identity. It's so important. In fact, let me pitch you this question, kind of a two-part question. Why do you think identity matters so much, particularly right now? And then two, uh, how did you develop your revelation of identity? Because people know that I was bound in in sin and bound in atheism and drug addiction, you name it. I was bound in it for 22 years. I never knew who I was my whole life. I was always trying to be somebody else that I wasn't. I always looked to other people and I thought, man, if I could only get to where they are. You know, most of those people, as a matter of fact, none of those people were Christians because I really didn't think that Christians had anything to offer me. So I stole from everybody else outside the church. Really, no one shared the gospel with me the good news till I was 34 years old. It took me actually getting shot at to have an encounter with him. So my identity was wrapped up in singing in a band. My identity was wrapped up in being the life of the party. My identity was wrapped up in in just whatever I could do to satisfy me. So my identity was wrapped up in selfishness. My identity was wrapped up in being the man. When, When the Bible says clearly that Jesus, we have the man seated at the right hand. I had no idea. It is so important in this hour Gosh, Mm. I cannot afford 
to go after who God's created me to be for any other purpose except being known by him and knowing him. I can't afford to go after my identity through through wanting to have a big ministry. I can't afford to go after my identity through wanting to have a big business. I have to go after my identity strictly as son and daughter of the Most High God to where I have the most amazing father. I would tell you that the priority of identity is so escalated, especially in this season. Like everything around us is going crazy. Like the elections, like everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just going crazy. These whole riots that are everywhere. It's trying to find our identity. Like we think that like being a part of a riot establishes who we are and our rights. Man, it's just not any good. And it's not helping anybody. And it's hurting so many. I mean, you have one man that had a horrible death that was that was by a police officer that took it way too far that it should have never done it and then you have right. you have people that are killing police officers that are going after that to try to justify a cause but really it's just a lost fallen identity that's not being who God created you to be to begin with it's so important that we could never listen to other voices except for our father's voice, because every voice leads us astray into something we were never created to be. And only Jesus can give you the peace that you're looking for through everything else that's out there. That's the only thing that can matter. That's the only thing that matters, actually. There's nothing else, because nothing else can bring eternity into your today. What was that's right? What you can't afford to be up for sale for anything else. And really, on, when you give your identity to something else, what you're doing is you're selling cheap for something that's Ooh, been paid such a high price that. for. All right, but let me ask you this question, Todd: What is the connection between our identity in Christ and the kingdom impacting the world through us? Yeah. So honestly, Christ in us is the hope of glory, but Christ coming out of us is that hope being made manifest. So so the kingdom the kingdom of God is not meat or drink but is righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost so the kingdom is in the holy ghost and when i would say like where where is the holy ghost where is he all of us would say well he's in us he is in us but he also rests upon us so he's not to be in me like a lake with no outlet he is to be in me as rivers of living water that constantly have outlets so how can i affect the world with kingdom through identity if i see who god's created me to be then i will see that when jesus lived and walked and was on this earth after he was baptized in the holy spirit and his ministry began which was at the age of 30 for three and a half years it was so profuse through him as god's man so you have the father you have the son and you have the holy spirit so jesus was a conduit for God, the Holy Spirit, to flow through on a continual basis. Cities were changed. Bodies were healed. Devils were cast out. Prophecy was given. Words of knowledge were given. Like the whole gamut of the kingdom flowed through Jesus on this planet. And he says that we're supposed to follow him. He wouldn't tell us to follow him if there was no way we could. So crazy. So Say now, that. so now that I find out that the possibility of following Jesus is there, I need to look at what are the main ingredients for me to be able to function like Jesus says I can. Well, Jesus was without sin. 
there was absolutely no sin on his life. And we know that humanity has fallen because of the first Adam, humanity took part in sin. Jesus came to restore. Actually, humanity became sin because the reality of this thing is we weren't just born into it. We were cultivated by it. We were cultivated by sin itself. So our mindsets were cultivated by sin. We grow up with the way that seems right to a man. And in the end, it's destruction. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. So being born again means to be refathered. Being refathered by what? Being refathered by God the Father. So now we're refathered by God the Father. We've become born again. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes with the package of personal born-again adoption to where the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that flowed through Jesus, that did the works that Jesus did. Jesus said, if you don't believe me through the things that I say, at least believe me through the works that I do, for it's the Father that dwells in me that does the works. The Father was in him through agency of kingdom. The kingdom Mm. of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus was fully functional without sight and fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit or the kingdom. So Jesus hanging on the tree became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus went down to the River Jordan and to get baptized, John the Baptist said, you're coming to me for baptism, yet I need yours. And Jesus said, no, it is necessary so that righteousness might be fulfilled, meaning the fulfillment Mm. of righteousness for Jesus was the completion of the law without missing anything. So the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus because righteousness was attained. When Jesus was crucified, it says that he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. So when I see what I've become through identity, I will hear the same voice that Jesus heard. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So now I start my life with being pleasing to the father, not because I've done it, because all of my righteous acts, they're all filthy rags. But Jesus paid a price so that I could become because of what he became. If I don't see this, see, Jesus was marred beyond any man. He was he was whipped and bruised and broken and stripped of everything. On that cross, you see this, this man crying out for the people that did it. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was crying out for humanity, the ones that ripped his beard, that spit in his face, that crowned him with mm. thorns, that shredded mm. his flesh. And Jesus, it says on that tree in Isaiah 53 and 54, it says that Jesus was unrecognizable on that wow, tree. Wow. So wow. on the tree, you couldn't even recognize who was speaking. The voice you could, but the flesh you couldn't because his body was more beyond any. Jesus mm. became unrecognizable so that you and I could become recognizable again. Mm. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become. So he became something so we could become something. Now, when we get born again, we're no longer sinners. God sees us as saints. He doesn't Mm. see us as sinners. Yes, the ability to sin is there, but the habitual nature to, to do what we did and to be like we were and to live like we were has been completely cut off from us. Romans 7, the Passion Translation, Romans 7, actually says that we were trafficked by sin. We were trafficked like a sex trafficking ring. We were trafficked by a sin ring, by the ring of sin, by the leader, the enemy. We were trafficked. We were brought out and that thing was cut off 
And now we were born again into a brand new kingdom. And because of that, the influence that we can have on society is beyond anything we've even touched or stepped into because Jesus had such an impact. And then Jesus says in John 14, he who believes in me, the same works that I do and greater works will they do because I'm going to go to be with the father. What happened? On the day oh. of Pentecost, Jesus is at the Father. The disciples are all huddled in, in a room praying. Jesus sends the promise. What happens? The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he convicts the world of three things, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Jesus said of sin because they don't believe in me, of righteousness because I'm going to go to be with the Father, and of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So of righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. So the very Peter that denied Jesus was the one that got convicted of righteousness. When the great Holy Ghost came upon him, he preached the first message to people that he was afraid of before, who was changed into a different man, who his identity was about to demonstrate what the kingdom looks like on society. And the very people that hung Jesus on a tree said, we are cut to the heart. What shall we do? And 3,000 people were added that one day without a microphone. Amazing. (laughs) That is Love what that. kingdom identity does on society when someone gets possessed with the freedom of God. If anybody had the right to look back and be sad about what he did, it would have been the one that denied Jesus. Ooh. That's not that's not okay that we could think that Peter would live with that guilt for the rest of his life. Jesus had to do something so miraculous. How wow. wonderful that would be when that's you're convicted deep, of righteousness, your past no longer exists and only today and tomorrow exists. And you have no right to revisit your past apart from the blood of Jesus and the testimony of what he's done for you instead of living in a place of regret of what he needs to do for you. It's already been done. It's already finished. The veil's been torn. Enter into his presence behind the veil. Live in righteousness and affect the world through kingdom. Man, thank you so much, Todd. I'm serious. I'm trusting people are going to really get this. Your revelation of identity has launched this soul winning movement. And and I really believe that God is raising up a breed of people that are walking in holiness. They're walking in intimacy. They want depth and that they know who they are as a son and a daughter of the most high God. Todd, man, I love you, bro. I love you man, too. Man, give our love and big hug to Jackie and the kids. Thank you. I love you too. Wow. I mean, that was an incredible conversation. Who Todd is in the Lord is not only inspiring, it's challenging. And you know what I love about him is he refuses to allow his past to define him. And I think that's such a powerful thing for the Keep It 100 tribe to really pull on in their own life. And none of us have walked it perfect. All of us have mistakes and regrets and we look at our life and we can allow those things to define us or we can allow those things to propel us into the love and the lap of Jesus, which is what Todd's done there such a beautiful affection and love for Jesus because there's such a gratitude in what the Lord has done in his life. That's so accurate. Love that. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, we wanted to give you some additional takeaways that help you discover your identity because we believe in you and we want to help equip and call out who God has called you to be. The first takeaway, you discover your identity by receiving revelation from your maker. Identity is a gift from God. Identity is how God sees us. Knowledge of who you really are 
are in Christ is vitally essential to uncontestable identity, which is what we're talking about. When it's uncontestable, it means the enemy can't talk you out of it. I 100% agree with that. And we really need to discover that by a revelation from our maker. It's funny because even today we're walking past the Apple store, when something goes wrong with our MacBook or our iPad, we don't take it to Samsung right. because they weren't the maker or manufacturer. We take it to Apple. And so often, if you want to discover your identity, it's not something you sit around and allow the Twitterverse to decide for you. You've got to get revelation by getting alone with God and letting him speak inside of you. Come on. The second additional takeaway that will help you discover identity is you discover your identity by renewing your mind. And renewing your mind in what? It's reading what the the Bible has to say about you. Reading what the Bible says that you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're not just the child of a woman or a mom that was in pain or a dad that bolted or a dad that was so busy climbing a corporate ladder and having his laptop open that you didn't get lap time. You discover your identity not by those in the past, not by looking in the rearview mirror, but the windshield of God's word. And the question is, what do you allow to define you. And that is an important question you have to ask. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your identity is going to be formed by the thoughts you hold in your head. So you have to refuse the labels heaven has not given you and see yourself the way God sees you. The third and final takeaway that will help you discover your identity is you discover your identity by contending against the accuser. The devil was doing identity theft since the garden and you can't allow the enemy to rob you of your identity. So what do you have to do? You have to change false beliefs about yourself. What lies are you allowing to steal away your God-given identity because there's all these things that the enemy will try to lie. He'll try to tell you that you're not lovable. He'll try to tell you that you're not strong, you're not stable, that you have to have this guy, this girl in your life. He tries to say you don't do relationships good. He tries to tell you your only gift is to give literally people what they want whenever they ask and you have no boundaries. Let me just stop and tell you you are valuable. Somebody, Come you're on. listening right now, and I just want you to know Jesus died for you. Your life is valuable to God. Doesn't matter what has happened. Doesn't matter what may even be currently transpiring. What happens is a decision you make right now to let God give you a picture of how he sees you and allow him to love you. Come on. I, you know, that is so powerful. We grab a hold of what Sean just shared. I mean, we all can agree. This has been a really hard year. It's been a difficult year. And sometimes we can lose sight of who we are. We can lose sight of God's love for us and his plans and his purpose. But most importantly, that we're a son and daughter of God. Our total identity is rooted and grounded in the love of God for us. And as difficult as the times have been and as challenging as the situations have been that many of us have walked through, I just want to encourage you, keep it 100 tribe. You are called to be a son and daughter of God. It is your God-given identity to walk in the plans and purposes. You are called to be the head and not the tail. You're called to walk in victory, not defeat. You are called to walk walk in hope and not distress. You're called to walk in peace and not anxiety. Your identity is one that is rooted in the goodness, the mercy, and the faithfulness of God. I just want to speak that over you. I believe there's some people today that are going to hear this that need to be reminded that depression is not your friend. Loneliness is not your friend. Being a victim is not your friend. And recognize that God is calling you and pursuing you even in this moment just to gently and lovingly remind you of your identity in him. Keep 
Ziba 100 Tribe, we're always honored that you take time to not only download, but to listen and share these episodes. We've gotten so much incredible feedback, and I want you to know we are so grateful to be able to share this time with you week in and week out, because we are passionate about equipping people for the body of Christ. Thanks so much for tuning in, and if you haven't already subscribed, will you please do that? Rate, review, and refer. Share this link on your social media platform, because we want to continue to get the word out there and share this podcast with as many people because we believe it's here to bless, equip, and encourage people in their walk with God. As always, check us out on shawnachrisasmith.com. Find us on Facebook, Smith Ministries, and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted you. I so agree with that. I just want to say to so many of you out there, we've been so encouraged by your feedback. It has truly inspired yeah. us to really hit the table, coming in with fresh material. And please get help us get the word out because we really want to minister and bless a lot of people. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, stay tuned next week as we launch further into this conversation. Yes, that's right. We're going to have a part two. We're going to launch further into this conversation and our conclusion to Uncontestable Identity and Unlimited Impact Part 2, and there will be some surprises. So hey, remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it